0: Hi, this is episode 94 of Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. Today, we're going to sunny Spain to meet Frederick Van Huyen, the co-founder and CEO of Absolute Internship, an award-winning internship program around the world designed for ambitious, hardworking, and talented university students. Frederick is also a TEDx speaker, the host of Fika with Rice podcast, and is ranked among top 25 Swedish entrepreneurs disrupting industries and breaking boundaries around the world. Frederick is of Cambodian origins. He was born and raised in Sweden and he speaks seven languages, but today we'll stick to English only. And before we start chatting, don't forget to grab a copy of my ebook, The Entrepreneur Mindset, seven tactics to avoid being the bottleneck in your business. You'll find the link in the show notes. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a global remote company that has been providing marketing and communication services since 2005. Their goal, help you thrive in the new normal. Log on their website to learn more, socialprize.me. Hi, Frederick. Thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you very much, Laurent. It's a a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Great. All right, let's start. Tell us a little bit about you and uh, your journey as an entrepreneur.
1: Sure. I was born and raised in Sweden, like you said. My parents are from Cambodia. Um... Not a lot of immigrants when I grew up in Sweden, so I, was, I think we were two Asian kids in my school, and there was one adopted, and it was me. Uh, anyway, um, went to university. I'm the first one in my, in my family to go uni- to university. I went to a business school, studied business. I um, really loved it. And during my studies, I had the opportunity to go abroad. So my first option was to go to, to your country, actually, Laurent, France, and... Um, one of my mentors, he said, you should go as far as possible and China's the future. And this was like before China was popular and cool, you know. So I'm like, well, all right. And no one what was What year minded. was that? Those was 2007. I applied in right. 2006. So this was like pre-Airbnb, pre-booking.com. Um, you had to basically hit the streets and yeah. knocking doors to find an apartment.
0: And that was before the, the Beijing Olympics, right?
1: Exactly. Just yeah, right yeah. before. So... So I went to China and it really opened up my mind. I got so much inspiration um, from my experience and the people that I met. And the year after I moved to to Japan and there um, I found out about people looking for summer internships. I had three classmates who were looking for summer internships and I was like, what's an internship? And they were like, well, it's like a job. You're working for somebody. And you're learning and it's a gateway to to a full-time job. And I'm like, okay, I know a lot of people back in Shanghai and I can hook you up with internships. So I helped them out. And long story short, they didn't have a good time. They had problems finding accommodations, sorting out their visas. And again, this was like pre-Airbnb, pre-booking.com, right? And I was like, I was thinking about that. I'm like, okay, now I've graduated and I'm like one day looking for summer internships because I couldn't find a full-time job. I was applying to over hundreds of jobs. I couldn't find, I couldn't secure one. And, um, I was Googling summer internships one day and this company popped up. They were offering internships in New York city for $12,000. And I was like, if they can charge $12,000, like we can do this for like 4,000 in Shanghai and people actually need help to get an internship in China. Like people speak English in New York. So that's when my entrepreneurial, like my professional entrepreneurial story started with Absolute Internship, which today is one of the, the biggest um, internship programs for students. But I've always done stuff when I grew up. I was knocking on doors when I was 10, 11, selling Christmas cards, which I don't know if it's common in Finland, but it's, very, it's not very common in Sweden, but we do it. I, I did it. I was like, okay, I buy a pack of 20. And I was selling them one on one to to neighbors and stuff. And I was shuffling snow. And I didn't I didn't do it to earn money. But I knew that if I did it, some neighbor one out of three would give me some money, you know. And I will spend that on candies or stuff. So
0: it's very interesting. Every time I have a a, a conversation with uh, you know a young guy like you, and we're talking about pre stuff, you know, pre Airbnb, pre Facebook, pre YouTube, pre internet even. We're talking about like 13 years ago, (laughs) which is nothing. It's amazing how the landscape, the, the business environment, how everything has been impacting that so fast. Have you seen, have you been able to benefit also from that such a quick expansion with your company?
1: I think so, Laurent. I think I I consider myself really blessed that I was that I was part of the generation before TikTok and Instagram and like being part of the traditional you know business world, and also the world now. Um, I can definitely agree that we benefited a lot because when we started. Like my dream was to build a remote company because I read the four-hour work week. I was like, I want to have team members that work with me, and we can work from anywhere in the world, you know. So that's what I wanted to build. And I don't think that would have been possible 20 years ago or 25 years ago. But
0: tell us a little bit, how did you how did you build the company?
1: So I've always been a very practical guy, lo yeah. So when I looked at that website, I was like, all right. Some internships and they're organizing accommodation for students. They're sourcing the internships. They're getting them uh, metro, like subway cards. They're taking them to cultural activities and they add like an add-on to make money on that. I was thinking, okay, number one, I was already doing this sort of for our international students back in Sweden. I was like the one welcoming col- um, exchange students So and I took them to activities like I made them feel comfortable. I taught them about the Swedish culture, you know, so like, okay, I can do that in China. So box number one, like done. And then box number two was like, okay, I can sort out accommodation. We're going to start with five to 20 students. We're not going to have 200 students. Right. So I can do that. Um, I can sort out the visa for them. What I couldn't sort out so far was the internships because I could do it for a few people, but not 20. So what I basically did was cold emailing companies. I went on LinkedIn. I was like, all right, let's 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 cold email companies and see if they would be interested in meeting me. So I met with companies. I introduced my concept. And um, people were like, yeah, of course, we need interns. Um, and that's when I thought, okay, Um, this could work. We just need a website. The problem was me and my partner, we had only one computer to share. So... (laughs) <laughs> the, the, it was hard uh so <laughs> yeah. and we had two thousand uh, euros two thousand dollars back then so i was hitting up forums this was when forums were popular i was like okay. guys i need a, a, a webmaster i was living in bangkok back then i found a swedish guy he said i'll do it for uh, for um for about a thousand euros um but i need a design and i'm like I don't know. I don't know how to design. (laughs) So I asked my, uh, my partner and she's like, okay, I can do it on PowerPoint. Imagine we did the the first website on PowerPoint. And anyway, you're like, well, how about the colors? And I'm like, well, my favorite football team is Juventus and their colors are yellow, black and white. So like, well, that has to be in the logo and the website. Uh, But anyway, we put the website up and, um, it took one or two weeks and we had our first paying customers. Funny story, Laurent. Awesome. We had only 2,000 euros, right? So 1,000 yeah. euros went to the website. We had 1,000 euros left. That went to buying a new computer. So we didn't have any money left So we're, to actually open the company. So we didn't, we didn't even incorporate the company. and We had customers wanting to pay and they had to pay us on our private bank account. Again, this is before PayPal and stuff. So... I remember i think it was our fifth or sixth customer uh, it was for switzerland and it was like um why am i sending the money to a private bank account are you sure this is not a scam so <laughs> a funny story but yeah uh, after a few customers we saved up we incorporated the company and we've been growing <laughs> so fast since since day one 2009 so oh
0: that was the immediate success right
1: i think so i think so i mean in the beginning we grew four or five hundred percent each year now we're not growing that fast i mean Mm. still pretty fast we grow at 100 150 percent each year so um we're one of the lucky or lucky companies that are thriving um post-covid
0: and have you had any investors or you completely bootstrapped the business uh
1: we completely bootstrapped it Mm. um so i've always been an avid reader and I mean, this was before Donald Trump went Donald Trump, but I was, I was getting like these books, uh, like business books, Donald Trump and uh, the four-hour work week. And I learned about this word like bootstrapping. I'm like, what is that? And they're like, well, it's when you grow a business and you don't get outside investors. So I'm like, okay, I, sh- I should do that. So we didn't get any loans or any, um, any investors. We, got, we have had a lot of interest though, Loro, but, and we met with uh, private equity firms and angel investors, but it has never felt right, so to speak.
0: Everything that you're saying that it has never felt right. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: It's it's a good question. Um, which I don't I I don't think I've ever had that. Um, but so I the, so I asked myself why did I start? Why did I become an entrepreneur? Why did I choose to work work my butt off uh, and always like like work eighty ninety hours a week for what you know? So in the end of the day, that answer is. To really maximize the creativity of my output, trying to reach my potential, which I know I will never reach, but I will get closer to it and some sort of freedom. It's never been like, okay, I want to make like a hundred million because I know if Absolute Internship today would raise capital, we will get a crazy valuation. You know, we would, but I'm not one of those guys that are going to go the media or on Instagram and... And brag that, hey, I have a, that we raised, I don't know, 10 million euros because that's going to make me look cool, you know, because in the end of the day, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm a practical guy. I only care about the net profit. That's all I care about. You know, I don't care about the revenue. I care about the net profit because in the end of the day, that's what's going to like, that's the the blood, that's the the veins of the company, you know? And I know that's really old school. It's like a hundred year old, like business thinking, but that's the way I, I like to run it. Because uh, I, I think patience uh, is so, so underrated because when you meet private equity firms, when you meet angel investors, they want an exit in three years. They want an exit in five years. Um, which, in my opinion, you know, it's not it's not sustainable because what they're asking you to do is that hey, uh, Frederick, instead of working eighty hours per week, now you're working like every single day, uh, night and morning because we we want we want our return, you know, in three to five years. And I prefer to spend my time training jujitsu, uh, you know, um, spending time with my family, you know, and and travel on my free time.
0: So priority. Well, the company is your baby. It is. This is something that is important to you, but you want to balance that with your lifestyle.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Lifestyle is a good word, Loro. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Love this. Love this wisdom because I also totally agree with that. You know, I'm 45. I used I used to work too much. <laughs>
1: we all been there and we learned the hard way, you know, we learned the hard <laughs> way. You know, yeah. one of my mentors uh, a few years ago, Laurent, he said that when you're 20 to 35 something, that's the years like you're working so, so hard and you're just saying yes to everything. Yep. Uh, and why? Well, it's because you want experience and you want perspective in life. And the only way to get that is to work that hard so when you're 40 plus so to speak you're wiser and you work less but you work smarter so
0: indeed i was once asked you know what's the difference between my 30s and my 40s and the uh, and the answer is 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 very clear is when i was in my 30s i was working hard but i was like going from you know like one one destination to the other one objective after the objective and i was not really enjoying it and now i try to really enjoy the journey and take, t- take more time for myself, for, for my family, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's really key. I think, I think if people could start, you know, learning that earlier, percent, hundred percent,
1: hundred percent, you know, I, um, uh, I mean, I, I know that you lived in, um, in Southeast Asia, in yeah. Cambodia for a very long time. And, uh, my father was like, he was telling me this, um, this anecdote when we had an office in Shanghai. I, I used to live there for four years. And it was like, man, like people are running to the water station and are running back to their desk. And it's like Cambodia, people are like so slow walking to the water station and walking back so slow. And, I, you know, you can ask yourself, who's like enjoying life more?
0: Well, oh, that's something I've learned in South Asia is the patience and time because because time has a different has a different meaning over there. You know, you really have to uh, learn the what patience is really about. The benefits of yes. being patient. Tell me a little bit more about the lessons that you have learned as an entrepreneur.
1: Patience is number one. So mm. I think the lesson number one that I've learned is that patience pays off. You go through the process, whatever you want to do, and you have to pay the price in terms of the, the experiences, the scars, everything that you're learning throughout the way. And you you have to have that belief. You need to have that confidence that your goals and your objectives are going to happen. And they're not going to happen in one or two years. Uh, my mother always said that all the successful companies and people that she's seen her in her life, it has taken them a minimum 10 years. Yeah okay, now post, you know, uh, with TikTok, Instagram, and all of that, you know, you you can maybe do it in five. But still, you're just shortening the the beauty of the journey, because the journey itself is where you learn so much things and where you get so many life lessons. So the number one is that I would say patience is really underrated. Uh, Number two is self-awareness think a lot of um, entrepreneurs that I speak to, a lot of successful executives and, and so what, I think they might be very good at what they do, at their work and so on, but becoming a very successful, I'm talking now like being happy, being wise, being peaceful and financially. So all of those successful entrepreneur, I think you need to be very self-aware. And in order to be self-aware, you need to acquire wisdom. And in order to acquire wisdom, you need to be talking to 80, 90 year olds, s- seniors who have actually lived life before you. Um, you need to be reading books, old books. I'm not talking about like the, the newest best selling author, like books that are 50, 60 year olds. And you need to be asking yourself very deep questions, spending a lot of time alone and being comfortable alone. So I know that when I started off as an entrepreneur, I mean, I was very young. I was 22 years old and I'm like, and I'm a very social guy. And I'm like, damn, this is really, really lonely, you know? And you have to be very comfortable as an entrepreneur being alone. And that's where you become more self-aware. And I think in order to be successful, being self-aware is is really crucial. Um the, the third lesson Laurent, is empathy
0: Right,
1: and that has to do I mean empathy and emotional intelligence but you know when you're growing right yes you can be like a, 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 one, a one person company but you still need to have empathy for your customers for your audience for your stakeholders your partners or you can have a, a small company or a big company like we have many many employees I think we're 18 now And everyone is different, right? Everyone is different and having the patience and having the understanding that you need to listen to your people and everyone that you're dealing with. Everyone is coming from a different place. Um, Everyone is dealing with different type of private life, family matters. And if you have empathy, for sure, you're going to win more and and have a much more peaceful life.
0: Can you tell me what was your biggest, challenge and how
1: you overcame it? I think two things, two memories uh, come up to mind I think um, number one was when um, we've been running the business for two years and the business model was wrong and I was like okay um, I was telling my partner that okay you know what I'm on the verge of like I'm really upset about this. It's not we're not making the and not the millions, but hey, we cannot take a salary. Like I'm, I'm tired of eating tomato sauce and pasta and cup noodles, and like uh, and you know uh, what do you call that coffee now? Instant coffee. I'm like tired of instant coffee because I yeah. love coffee and I hate instant coffee. <laughs> no, but well, I had it so much now. But anyway, I was tired of that, you know, because I'm a human being. Two years, yeah, yeah. you know, like two freaking years. So. We changed up the business model. Like, okay, we need to do something different. We changed up the business model. And that really helped because after that, things really changed. We got we got featured on BBC and that changed everything for us, um, mm-hmm. Laurent. Another challenge that I had was, I think it's the first time I'm talking about it, is like when we got really bad press uh, in Australia. Because all the press before have been amazing. You know, we're featuring on Forbes, BBC, The New York Times um bloomberg and so on i got really bad press and and i spoke to my uh, one of my mentors and he said and this is a heavyweight you know like this is a guy who's been doing business with carlos slim um like really really like heavyweight and he was like um frederick time heals everything and you know, remember, you're a very, like, you're a great guy. Like, you have a good heart. Like, you do well in the world. I mean, it's not like you're selling drugs. You're not selling, like, you're not harming people, you know. You're doing something that is actually making people having a better life. And those that can't see it, you know, like, screw them. Like, you're going to serve those that want to be served and want to be helped. And I think that perspective really helped. And sure, we've been reminded about that, that, like, bad press and... I was thinking about myself, like, well, Tiger Woods had really bad press, you know, his entire breakup and all of that happened to him. And I'm like, well, he came out stronger. And I think um, that was a huge challenge. And I, I, we became very, very strong because of that.
0: What do you want to take the business? What's next?
1: What's next? Um, we have an internal goal, Oro. So mm. I spoke about being a remote company, right? But um a few for many, many years, Loro. I thought that my perspective of success was you need to have an, an expensive office and a very expensive like street address. Because to be honest, that's what we're taught, right? You need yeah. to have a nice office so you can like serve your customers. Right, and that's nice
0: what that's why we see a lot of too.
1: <laughs> exactly. We're like, oh, like, yeah, it's true. It is true. You know, Like, Hey, check out the newest yeah. office of Facebook and whatever. So a few years ago, um, uh, one of our biggest, biggest customers. They came to visit us in Shanghai, and this we're we're about to move offices. So it was completely empty the office, and she was like, "Well, where is everyone?" I'm like, "Well, we're we're changing offices," and, and we knew her really well and on a personal level. So we got to talk, and she said. Um, Frederick, I don't think you guys need an office here. I mean, you guys can work like from Hawaii or from Thailand because, as far as I'm concerned, you know the city really well. The students are not here year-round. You only you only welcome them in the summer. So as long as you can get all my needs met, like you don't, you guys don't need this office. It's a waste of money. And when she said that, Laurent, like when your biggest customers tells you that, that was like a big confirmation that hey because I missed my family like there was many Christmases like I didn't celebrate them with my family back in Sweden and I missed them so much I'm a big family guy and I was like damn it I told my wife that we're moving back like this is a sign we're moving back um, and we'll have a small office in Europe and 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 that's it you know So when she said that, um, that was like the starting point. Fast forward today, you were asking me about the goals of the company is that right now we have a hybrid model, but what we want to do is that we want to become a really a full remote team Um, so anyone can work from anywhere. We have a little base in Barcelona for those that prefer to work from an office because we do have a few that, that prefer that. So that's one of the goals that we have. And then another goal that we, we have, Laurent, is to have a bigger impact on the younger generation. So you mentioned in the beginning that we've been serving university students. Now, we've been doing that really well since 2009. I mean, we're very, very influential. Uh, but we want to take this to high school students. So we want to build um, one of the, the most dynamic and strongest high school internship programs in the world.
0: I want to talk about something because we didn't really talk about it. And, you know, your, your company uh, grew pretty quickly. And I want to talk about the importance of marketing.
1: Okay. You
0: yeah. know, because in those days, startups, everything, everything is online. You know, we are completely bombarded with, um, you know, growth hackers everywhere. What, what sort of, uh, you know, marketing techniques have you been using to grow your business?
1: It has evolved, Laurent. Mm. It has evolved. And I know there's a lot of growth hackers out there. I mean, we started with SEO, basically was myself. And I downloaded free SEO book. I just taught myself SEO was like a 10 pages book. It was pretty easy for myself. I found it exciting. So the website was SEO friendly because we didn't have any money for marketing. That worked really well. Another thing that we did was... You know, you remember when I said we had that click, right, that we got featured on BBC and so on. Tipping point, we can call it, was that we had an office in in Shanghai, but we didn't have an office in Europe or we didn't have a presence in Europe. And I was like, how can we get to our customers if we're not close to our customers? So I was like, okay, uh, we took all the money that we made that year um, and we moved to London. Never been to the UK before so like setting up well it's not can't be too hard and people speak english right so we moved there for (laughs) for an undetermined time and basically i was looking on wikipedia like okay what are the biggest universities in london and we went and we booked like info sessions and i was like okay it's all about adding value so everyone excited is interested about China so I'm like well what can I teach them about China because I lived in China for at that stage about three years so like how to do business in China um, so I went and we toured basically like the most important schools in, in London and we taught students how to do business in China why they should be considering studying or working or reading about China there was nothing about trying to convert them to a program because I always believed that those that wanna invest in, in in an experience like absolute internship, they will always come. It's like if you're selling a vacuum machine. Like if you're trying to like really push that through my like like through my throat that, hey, you have to buy my vacuum machine, like of course I'm not gonna buy it, you know. But if you can tell me why, like why I should consider it and how it is for other people, I might, I might do it. So it's like indirect sale. And that that worked really well, Loro, because the only thing that it cost was the travel expenses. We didn't pay too much for the info sessions and it was much better value than paying for ads on the internet because it was quality, high Mm. quality leads, so so to speak. We didn't get a lot of applications. We didn't get a lot of sales, but those that came to our website, they all converted, you know? Right.
0: That was back to the basics, like... Forget about digital marketing. You just talk to people
1: face-to-face, in person. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because, and then we went, of course, to career fairs and so on. And people resonate with my story. And they're like, yeah, you're right. You know, I should be doing this. And I mean, some, they couldn't afford it. But, you know, two mm. years later, they, they could afford it. So, and they remembered us. So, I think those were two things that really worked for us, um, Laura. And those were, I think... Big, big tipping points, the SEO and then the talking to customers face to face. And I think let's say that you are an entrepreneur and whatever you're selling, trying to identify your niche, you can't boil the ocean. Like, it's like what Jack Ma says, it's better to be like a big fish in a river rather than to be big fish in the ocean. And it's mm. so true. It's, we didn't go to the US, you know, where it's so expensive to tour across, like, it's a huge continent, right? Yeah. So we chose the UK, which is much smaller. And being based in London, like, we were two to five hours away from, we could do day trips, basically, for, to do these tours. And we live very cheaply. We live um, below our means, so we could invest as much as possible in this. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's all about believing, I think, in marketing. It's all about believing because uh, I had this dream. It's, it's not stupid. I think it's every boy's dream or girl's dream was like to have a, a Ferrari. And every morning I would take like, the bus or the train and we we'll go to tour at, And I knew that one of our neighbors, he had a black Ferrari and I saw it every morning and it kept me driven. <laughs> it's, it's a nice memory it kept me I was like one day one day you know uh and uh, i don't have that dream anymore but still like i was like one day like you need to have some sort of inner drive because when you're talking to your customers they can feel if you're being real they can feel yeah. like it's the best marketing you can do like when you're trying to like teach them something that's something that you are inspired about uh people really resonate about that
0: would that be your one recommendation? To entrepreneurs?
1: To speak to customers face-to-face?
0: Yeah, Um to dream, to dream big.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's important. Yeah, I think if that's one, yes, absolutely. And then number two, to read a lot of books.
0: Yeah, you mentioned several books that have uh, impacted you.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I've always been an avid reader. Um, uh, my mother told me when I was young, I was uh, nine or ten, that uh because they they had never had opportunity to go to school so they were like well uh, you know mom and dad like we can only like show you the way so to speak but when it comes to like professional like business mentors and all of that we can't give that to you so the only way you can get that is through books so uh, we can't afford to buy your books so you need to go to the library so I went to the library and I'm sure like if I have high school friends or like people that went to school with me, they knew, they knew that, you know, Frederick was always reading because I always was. I was like the bookworm, but I was doing sports to a lot of sports, but I was reading a lot. And when things were really hard, Laurent, the book that I bought, uh, actually I didn't buy it. I downloaded it for free. It's a torrent. It's Think and Grow Rich by napoleon hill uh damon john he recommended it uh the founder of fubu and so many entrepreneurs read books they're like yeah i read that frederick i read that yeah but what did you do about it man what did you do so what i would do is like i read that book i'm like i followed every single step i'm like writing down your goals like damn it i'm starting right now i'm starting right now you know I'm not starting like, oh, it sounds like a good concept. Like if this worked for like Andrew Carnegie, who was like like a multi-billionaire, like I'm going to freaking do it, you know? So I did that. And I'm telling you, all the goals that I've been writing down since that day has happened. And yeah, it sounds ridiculous. You have like a piece of paper, you know, that you're reading your goals morning, lunch and evening. But I'm telling you, it works because it's not because it's, it's some magical positive thinking. It's not that. It keeps you focused, you know it keeps you focused on your goals that's what it is and it's not about the money it's not about the goal itself it's about the journey that the journey that you take to reach that goal and the man and the person that you become you know so i think that's what it's all about
0: amazing frederick well that was a fantastic conversation very inspirational thank you thank you very much for your time today
1: thank you very much laurent was a pleasure And thank
0: you for listening. If you've enjoyed these episodes, subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any. See you next time. Bye for now.